As you know, we've uh, completed our concentrated focus on defending the faith, which uh, was last year in um, studying through Second Peter and Jude, uh, and then lots of apologetics uh, messages and lessons and presentations. And, but now we've turned our attention this year to being members one of another, 2022-23, being members one of another, and that's being expressed and, and learned about to a great degree through the book of Philippians. Now, don't turn to the book of Philippians because today we're going to actually launch into it by learning about the providential beginning for the book of Philippians in Acts chapter 16. As you know, the book of Philippians is about joy and rejoicing in the Christian life. In fact, the thematic verse, chapter 4 and verse 4, I believe it is, is rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And yet, this church had a beginning. And that got me thinking about that this week. How do churches begin? I mean, we had a beginning here in 1963 as a chapel. A year and a half later or so, in the fall of 65, we actually constituted as a church. And so we had a beginning. What was going on? in 1965, in South Kansas City, Missouri, in the Hickman Mills area, in the Red Bridge area, where the old Red Bridge probably had not been all that old at that time. It's no longer in use, as you know. It's a footbridge now. But something was going on. Things were happening. People were involved. And it's not within the scope of today's presentation and message to share that with you, but instead we want to turn our attention to a providential beginning for the church at Philippi. And if you'd make your way to Acts chapter 16, we see uh, in the narrative how that played out. But I want you to think about that. Every church had a beginning, and I would argue that it was providential. What does providential mean? God shows up at a certain time, in certain ways, through situations, circumstances, through people, and he does some type of act. He conducts business, and we see that. His providential presence and his moving, his hand, his fingerprints all over the beginning of the church at Philippi. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 6. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mycenae, they encamped, uh, check that, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit allowed them not. And they, passing by Mycenae, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia beseeching him and saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, losing, losing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was accustomed to be made. And we sat down <coughs> and spoke unto the women who resorted there. 
And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken by Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain maid possessed with a spirit of divination met us and brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, (coughs) and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spoke unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And when he took them the same hour of the night, and and he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his, immediately. And when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. If you're taking notes, four primary points about this providential beginning of the church at Philippi. First of all, there was a dedicated witness in verses 6 through 12. Folks, evangelism does not happen by accident. I don't just stumble upon someone without me having any consciousness, any burden, any desire to share the Lord. Then all of a sudden, abracadabra, that person gets saved. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens by providence. And Scripture is clear that those who are burdened for the lost, God will providentially create circumstances, lead you in the path of those that he has already been preparing to uh, encounter you, to intersect with you. And Mark uh, alluded to uh, the uh, 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 Philip, the deacon Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. God caused their paths to intersect. So that a burdened heart from the deacon Philip might be able to share with an inquiring heart the Ethiopian man and, of course, 
the miracle of regeneration and redemption took place in the life. It was providential. Scripture is clear on that, that he leads us, he leads those who are burdened for souls in the path of those who need to know the Lord. It requires a dedicated witness. Now notice what's the first thing uh, that's mentioned here in Psalm 126 and verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth, that is, with a burden for the soul, for souls of, of lost people. If you don't care about the lost, then don't, uh, don't figure that you're ever going to be used to the Lord to be fruitful. Now, now, now hear this, hear this. Scripture uses the illustration in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I believe it is, that we are farmers in God's field. If you're a believer, you are a farmer in God's field. And does a farmer hope to have it increase at the end of the planting season and, the, uh, uh, and the, uh, during the time of reaping? Does he hope to have an increase? Amen. Does he hope to have a harvest? Amen. Right? He, do, he does not go through his life just indifferent about harvesting the grain of receiving the fruit of his labor. Well, so too, I'm living my Christian life and I so desire for God to use me to see fruit and fruit that remains. Amen? Well, <clears throat> it begins with the burden. He that goes weeping with a, a passion for those Folks who are hell-bound. We just heard from heaven-bound. All four of these guys are saved. I've watched their lives for decades. They know the Lord. They're heaven-bound. The world out there is hell-bound. And we have the answer to their plight. Amen? And it's the cross of Christ. It's faith in him. It is following him. So it begins with a burden sold. Oh, but it's not just that I care about the lost. I actually am called to do something about it. To share the gospel. To spread the word. To bear precious seed. As this text says, and Mark Saylor wrote a missions conference song about it in yesteryear. Bearing precious seed. Those who will do that will, not maybe, will doubtless, certainly be able to see harvest. Bringing sheaves with him there will be fruit from those who are burdened and who actually plant the gospel seed it requires a dedicated witness and so Paul and Silas and Timothy and others having begun the second missionary journey were now in Galatia and they wanted to go east into Asia. They were in Galatia, right up in this area. They wanted to head this way. They'd come from Jerusalem. The second, uh, uh, check that, the, uh, the first Jerusalem council in Acts chapter 15 had just taken place, given some direction to church leaders of how, the theology of the, of the New Testament church. So they had left Jerusalem, headed north, and they're right here in this area. They wanted to go east into Asia, and the Spirit of God said, no, you're not going to go in that way. He providentially redirected them, retraced their steps to head west, and ultimately end up in Philippi. They stopped at, at Samothracia. They, stopped, they go with, from Troas to Samothracia to Neapolis and then ultimately to Philippi. So folks, what I'm saying is that there was a, a band of dedicated witnesses who were providentially directed to a certain place at a certain time for a specific occasion, namely to encounter those who needed the Lord. Paul and his team were dedicated to the ministry of sharing the gospel. Look at verse 10, if you would, from our text that was just read. Notice how, how burdened they were. In, uh, chapter, um, in chapter 16 and verse 10, immediately we endeavored 
uh, and to go into Macedonia, knowing assuredly that the Lord had called us there. They were determined, they were dedicated, they were serious about this issue of seeing the gospel go out. Now I want to ask you, are you dry in the area of evangelism? And that's probably not a uh, conclusive lifelong statement or answer because it's kind of an ebb and flow, my guess is. Uh, just like our physical lives is, are, are an ebb and flow. As you know, I'm going to have uh, upcoming surgery uh, here in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be uh, laid out physically for some time. I'm not going to be what, uh, what I, I have been and what I want to be. But God providentially uh, has allowed this to come into my life so that something will take place. Maybe he's allowed this to come to life simply to be able to be a gospel witness to a field, an area where I don't typically go. Could that be it? Right. But I need to be watching for the providential hand of God moving in my situation every day because it's his providential uh, moving. Uh, It is his sovereign call. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the one calling the shots. Amen? I just simply need to get on board with what he is doing. As a dedicated witness, I might want to go in that direction. But he says, no, that's not what I have for you right now because I have a higher calling than your comfort. I have a a better way than what your wisdom would dictate. You all with me on this? That's what the text is telling us. If you're a dedicated witness, you're going to say, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. If you're a dedicated witness, you're going to say what John the Baptist said, I am going to decrease and he is going to increase. And so are you dry in the area of evangelism? Have you shared the Lord, the gospel with folks of late? And if not, why not even right now? Maybe it's not a New Year's resolution, but it's a heartfelt cry to the Lord. God, would you use me this year? Would you allow me to end 2023 actually having planted seed and seen fruit come from that? Could that be the will of God for you as a believer? Yes, that can be, and that could be. And you recognize now from this text that it's not something that you magically create. You don't strategize for you. You providentially fall into it because you're yielded to him. You have the burden. You want to be used of him. You're a dedicated witness, and what does a witness do? A witness tells the story of the great things God has done. And so, Paul and the entourage... We're dedicated witnesses, and we see that it's the heart of God because Paul had limited opportunities. I can, go, I can go east into Asia. I can go whatever. But God said, no, I have a particular place. And notice what place he chose. Notice that God chose where to go. Philippi. Not on the, not on the coast, not a port, but inland. And why did he choose Philippi? Because it was already the chief city. It was already an established place. And it was a Roman colony. It's where retired Roman military officers would go. Uh, it was their vacation. It was Branson. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, maybe that was... It was, uh, it was uh, Cancun. <laughs> okay? Is that better? That, that's what Philippi was uh, for Rome... And this is, a, this is a happening place. And what's more, 
it was primarily Gentile. Almost all Gentile. How is it, how do we know that it was almost all Gentile? Because on the Sabbath day, where did Paul go? To the river. There's no synagogue in town. There wasn't any local gathering place for the Jews because there weren't any Jews. And the Gentiles didn't care. And so what did Paul do? He went down to where the women were doing the clothes, washing the clothes in the river. And there's a whole band of women there. So Paul and his entourage, he was discreet. He had others with him. They go down and, as dedicated witnesses, start sowing the gospel seed. Folks, we have to go where they are and invade the enemy's territory. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. For we have a story to tell to the nations. Amen? A dedicated witness. We see that in this team. Secondly, we see... In verses 13 through 15, a dedicated woman, Lydia. Paul and the team providentially met Lydia. You see, they got up on Sabbath day morning. Lydia could have come there an hour earlier. She could have come there an hour later. She could have done her washing another day. But it was the Sabbath, and she was a believer in the God of the Old Testament. She was Gentile who had converted to being Jewish. And so she was worshiping with the light she had with other folks at that time on the Sabbath day. Gentile by birth, Jewish by choice, in a place where there are very, very few Jews. Also, you'll notice in verses 13 through 15, she was a businesswoman specializing in the commerce of purple dye for royalty. Naturally, She's in Philippi, where there's all kinds of admirals and generals. And so the need for purple dye was important, and she was making good money doing that. Uh, From a a plant, as I understand it, called uh, the madder root, M-A-D-D-E-R root, which when it's extracted, I think through some type of acidic process, it uh, you retrieve purple dye that was majestic in its color, and you dyed clothing with that. She sold, she her commerce was in that. Notice that the text makes it clear that God allowed the gospel and Lydia to intersect. She could have been there at any other time, any other day, yet she was there coincidentally? No, providentially, just when the gospel would be able to be shared by the great apostle Paul. God had already been preparing her heart. If you'll notice in verses 13 through 15, uh, it says that in uh, verse 14, whose heart the Lord opened. She attended, she focused, she poured her attention into the things which Paul spoke. And what did he speak? The gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Uh, And he has sent me out, and the church of Jerusalem has sent us out as missionaries to proclaim that message to you. And so it could be that you'll encounter folks who are religious, like Lydia, who have knowledge, and yet it's not complete knowledge, it's not full knowledge, or maybe it's misguided knowledge. And folks, and there are, there are folks like this all over the place. 
that if you were to ask them, if you were to ask my dad when he was 50 years old at the point of, of him being saved, how are you getting to heaven? I'm keeping the Ten Commandments the best I can. As I ask, a, when I was an operating room technician, uh, and I ask a man who was uh, uh, Jewish, uh, who was a surgeon, that you no longer have a temple, you no longer have the high priest, how do you do atonement? And he very sheepishly and, and, and with almost despair said, we just kind of have to go to God on our own. And yet scripture says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so you will find folks in our culture who are religious. Uh, they, uh, they think that they're heading in the right way. They're hoping, they're wishing that they were heading down the right path. But it's not the gospel path. And God will providentially give that person a new beginning like he did the church at Philippi. By your gospel witness. I find it interesting. I find it great. That the first convert in Europe, the first one in all of the landmass, what we call Europe, was a Gentile woman business person. <laughs> Not what you would think. You would think, what? That's who you're going to save and start a local church? Uh, uh, why not, why not a, a priest of the synagogue? Uh, why not uh, uh, someone else uh, uh, but a businesswoman who's Gentile? Really? And yet God providentially moved in that situation. And I don't say it in a pejorative way, but 2,000 years ago, a Gentile woman who was in business was kind of an odd duck in that day. You all hearing that? And yet that's what who Lydia was. So uh, a, a religious person was saved, the, her household heard the gospel, they publicly identified with Christ in baptism. And now it gets stranger, because then in verses 16 through 24, a demonized witch, which is kind of an oxymoron, because one would argue that all witches are demonized, so I appreciate that in case you want to point that out. But the pendulum totally swung from a religious woman to one uh, who was demon-possessed, as it were, and maybe literally, in fact, the pendulum swung the other way with Paul and his team as they, again, providentially met up with this woman who wasn't religious and lost. She was wretched and lost. She was a demonized fortune teller. Now, notice in our text, in verses 16 through 24, that she kept shrieking out, these are the servants of the Most High God, and they show us the way of salvation. Was the content of what she said accurate? Yes. They were the servants of the Most High God. They were telling people the way of salvation. But why did Paul want her and that demon in her to hush? Because God does not need the credibility of, the, of evil to establish his way. And so Paul called the demon out, and seemingly this woman was saved when she was relieved of that. <clears throat> Satan knows the source of power. Notice when she started shrieking. She, didn't, she wasn't bothered that Lydia uh, and her household got saved. She wasn't bothered that Paul uh, and the others were preaching the gospel. Notice in our text... In verse 16, and it came to pass as we went to prayer. When the enemy knows that God's people set their minds to praying. 
when we really are getting desperate with God, Lord, would you use me? Uh, I want to be a dedicated witness. Lead me to a a witch. Lead me to a religious person. I am available, God, for you to do something in and through my life. Lord, would you do it? Would you produce fruit through my life? For after all, Lord Jesus, you said in John chapter 15 that my followers, some will be, they'll, they'll be fruitful, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Lord, would you allow me to see in 2023 my gospel witness, the seed that I sow with religious folks that I know, with demonized folks that I know? Lord, would you allow that to have folks? If you will give yourselves to prayer, things are going to take place. Now, please erase from your minds, divorce from your commitment, the idea that there is power in prayer. There is, hello, no power in prayer. There's only power in the God of prayer. You say, that's just semantics. No, it's not. People pray everywhere. People, all people pray. Everyone prays. As, some, as soon as someone says, in what I would say uh, is a euphemistic, vulgar way, oh God, that is prayer. Now, it may be just prayer, wishful thinking. So everyone prays, and everyone always has prayed. There's no power in prayer. There's only power in the source of of that, namely, the Lord himself. And so, when I pray, believing in Jesus' name, by his authority, the access I have to the throne of grace, mountains can move. And the saving of a soul by the Lord is just as powerful as him taking that mountain and sliding it over here if he wants to do that, right? I mean, you're raising, you're raising from the dead and, and, to life. You're making the depraved righteous in God's eyes. That's miraculous. And God will do that as I cry out to him. But make no mistake about it. When you invade the enemy's territory with boldness and with faith and with courage, fur is going to fly. Right? You, you, you are opening up a Pandora's box of difficulties because Satan is not going to like this. And he's aware uh, and he's watching as it were And he knows, so just know, if you're committed to being a dedicated witness uh, and you will share the gospel seed, just like Paul and his group did, founding the church at Philippi, if you'll do that, there's going to be a stirring among the enemy. And folks, I'm no prophet. I would not have really believed I'd see it in my lifetime and I said as much 10 and 20 and 30 years ago but now I do believe I'll see it in my lifetime actual persecution against the preacher against the witness against the Bible believing local church you're not going to say that you're not going to teach that you're not going to forbid this you will hire this person you will allow into membership the XYZs of our culture. He who has an ear, let him hear. It's coming. It's here already. I, I, was, I guess I'm still naive. I think I'm naive. But I heard a report. 
And I think it was the entire country of Australia this weekend. You know how they do uh, uh, New Year's Day celebrations and, you know, Dick Clark from Times Square, and they did that for 40 years. I mean, Dick Clark looked like he was 32. For, for 80 years, he looks that young. <laughs> y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh, and they would drop the ball in Times Square and, and celebrate the new year in America. Well, they do the same kind of thing in Australia. As I understand it, the, this year, the entire focus was around LGBTQ, trans, and all of that was celebrated for 22 to 23. That was the singular focus. <clears throat> How far away is America from that? That's already Hollywood. That's already, you name the place. It's coming to a church near you. Will you stand for truth? In a spirit of compassion, love for the soul, but still stand for truth. So, what a beginning. What a providential beginning they had. And then we see finally, in verses 25 to 34, a desperate warden. Paul, Silas, maybe others were thrown into jail. The warden made sure that they were in stocks, that is, they had bindings on their legs so they couldn't get away. They were the ones the warden thought was in, that he had in bondage. Who was in bondage? The warden is the one in bondage, right? Paul and Silas are free because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? When you are free in Christ, that's why I tell people who are lost really cannot live life to its fullest because there's no answer for death and death visits all so until you have the assurance of an answer for death that is being overcomer you really can't live but those who do now can live and we see that with Paul and Silas they're praising they're 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 praying they're singing amazing grace how sweet the sound and the and the rest um because they had been set free in the Lord. Folks, when you're a dedicated witness, when you are committed to bringing burdens for souls to the Lord in prayer, when you're willing to face any kind of persecution that comes from it, and when your life is consumed with prayer and praise in the most difficult of circumstances, just know when all of that is going on, earthquakes. God's going to send earthquakes to shake up the place around you so that <clears throat> what's an earthquake do splits the ground what can you do with split ground you can throw all kinds of seed in that right you all with me so he's going to break up the fallow ground <clears throat> in the hearts of unbelievers so that i'll be quick to share life in christ he'll do that providentially beloved put jesus on display in your lives in uh, 2023 let him be glorified so that a desperate soul i've had this happen one time in my life one time in my christian life many years ago a man knew i was a believer he had an issue coming to his life probably 30 plus years ago 35 years ago And he literally said to me, Vic, what do I need to do to be saved? He'd never read Acts 16. 
He says, how can I be saved? And bless God, had the opportunity to share Christ with him. He, was, he received the Lord, and, uh, and all the rest of the time I knew him, following the Lord. Kathy and I uh, have uh, finished 2022, entering 2023, with a renewed vigor for souls and providential opportunities to share. Now, is that a coincidence? No. That's how it, he operates. That's exactly how he operates. Oh, you're hungry for the lost? You don't want to see and think about people dying and burning for eternally in hell? You really do want to see people receive the grace of God and, and their hearts be set free? Well, then I think I'll just open up the, the earth. I'm going to send an earthquake so you can put the seed in the broken up ground. And after all, he's the one who brings the harvest, right? First Corinthians, one sows, one waters, say it with me, but God brings the increase. And so I'll be used of him in a providential way. I won't see it coming likely. I won't know what's going on behind the scenes any more than Paul did and Silas and the rest with Lydia. God drew her to the river, brought Paul to Philippi. He was going to go elsewhere. Nope, you're going to Philippi. That's where I want you. I've got business for you to transact. Throw him in prison, that particular warden whose heart God was opening received the gospel message. He's the one who opens the heart. He's the one who gives repentance and faith. He does the saving, but he allows us to get in on the blessing of being the conduit through which his power flows. Now, I close with this. Do you love new baby? Do you, do you love new babies? Yeah? Any new babies in here right now? You all have your little one back there? Back in the nursery? Okay, good for you. Oh, oh, dad's coming in right now. There's a new baby. Three months? Six months? Five months? Nobody has a new baby in here? Well, good for you for loving our nursery workers to give them something to do this morning. <laughs> we love new babies, amen? Well, as my, uh, Darius, where's your new little one? At home, still uh, just a week old, right? Have we enrolled him in Sunday school yet? I hope so. We love new babies. I say that with great assurance. Don't get Kathy around a new baby. We'll be there all day. And how much more in an eternal way do we love when new little ones are born into the family of God? As newborn babes, they desire the pure milk of the word that they may grow thereby, First Peter 2. And so let's just yield to God. Lord, would you use me this year? And one of the ways, might I suggest that you're serious about that, is right now, take your phone out, or if you're not as cool as others like me, take a piece of paper and a pen or pencil, It's a device that has liquid that flows through it and stays on the paper. Write down the name of the burden who's on your heart, even right now. 
Anyone burdened for a soul right now? A child, a grandchild, a co-worker, a neighbor, a parent, a grandparent, and right now, commit to pray, to share the gospel seed, mostly to look for God's providential hand opening that door. That happened with Paul. That's how Philippi began. That can happen in our lives as well. Lord, I'm thankful for your word and what a glorious passage this is. The birth of a local church with a Gentile businesswoman who had money. She wanted the body of Christ at her house so that she might share in ways that others couldn't. Lord, that's how the being members one of another works. One of us sow, one of us water. You bring about the increase. And then we teach, exhort one another to love and good works. And so, Lord, would you do that in our hearts even right now? Burden our hearts as you have mine even right now. And brought to my mind the name of someone at least seemingly needing the gospel. And so, I'll look for that providential door. That door that you will providentially open so that the gospel seed may be sown. Use us in 2023. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, just in the quietness of this moment, as a commitment to the Lord so that I might be encouraged in the faith that our hearts as a church are burdened. Is there anyone here who would say with a raised hand, right now, there is someone in my heart. I'm burdened for that person's soul, and I am committing in a fresh and a new way to be a dedicated witness, whatever that looks like, whatever that means. Are there those with a raised hand? God bless you all. Lord, grant the heartfelt prayer and longing of these dear ones for those in their lives to share the gospel and to see saved. If you didn't raise your hand, but that's still you, you raise your hand to the Lord. That's me. Count on me. Send me, Lord, as Isaiah said. 